Hello, and welcome to the Boring Bible Podcast. I'm Noah Randolph. And I'm Ashley Wakefield. And we're here to take you on a journey through the boring parts of your Bible, books that you just couldn't finish when you tried to read them. Together, I hope we'll get to see some of the hidden beauty in these books, and maybe afterwards you'll love them too. But if not, that's okay. You will still get to tell your friends you got through them and have full bragging rights to your pastor. Just don't let it go to your head. So let's get started. Welcome back to another episode of the Boring Bible Podcast. I'm Noah Randolph, teaching pastor here at Wayfarers Christian Church, and I've got with me in the studio, Ashley Wakefield. Hi. Hey, Ashley. How's your week been this week? It's been good. I've got a lot of work done. I had a lot of fun on Tuesday with Student Council Day, so we went to go see Batman. Yeah, I heard about it through Nick, who uh, also, I think, went with you guys, yeah. and uh, he was telling me that it was kind of like a thriller almost. It was, like, yeah, I know scary. a lot of people felt that way. I guess I didn't really feel that way. It was just... I don't know, I guess I was intrigued by the parts that people were saying was thriller, which, you know, mm-hmm. I don't want to spoil it for anybody, but I guess I won't go into too many details. But it was just like, um, I guess these riddles that he was trying to figure out. Yeah, because the Riddler's like the main villain in it, right? Yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. And I liked it. I thought it was really, I guess I didn't think of it as a thriller. I guess I thought of it as, it's just, I don't even know if I have a word for it, but it was. I didn't feel like. It was scary. It wasn't scary at all to me. Like, I mean, I've seen worse. I have a sneaky suspicion, Nick, if you're listening to this, that you're a little squeamish of movies because this is like the second time I've mentioned a movie that he thinks is squeamish that someone else has been like, oh, I didn't think that was scary at all. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I thought it was interesting. I was just like, oh, this is interesting. I like the way this is going. And then he was like, this is like a thriller. Like, this, like, no, I didn't feel that way. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I heard good things. Nick was raving about like the cinematography in it. Apparently, they used like these like weird lenses that are like kind of like really uh custom made for that movie so uh there's a whole nerdy thing side side thing you can get into on that movie that he was telling me about yesterday so yeah well that's cool that's really cool i meanwhile spent a lot of this week uh really uh reading and (laughs) i have been working through a new fantasy book um called warbreaker by brandon sanderson Mm -hmm. and it has been really good it's been really good um it's uh based on like a magic system that has like uh color as sort of the way that it works but it's really complicated and way more nuanced than that but uh yeah it's been fun i've been enjoying that and i'm probably about 35 chapters into it so i'm uh, nearing the nearing the what's the halfway mark on that book so yeah so we are in the uh, book of Isaiah right now and we're working through um, chapter by chapter getting towards um, really the part of the book where there is a dramatic shift in how this book is going to be arranged in fact this is the last chapter in the section that we are very familiar with and starting next week we are going to be in new territory for the first time and uh, if you have read first or second kings you're going to recognize 
recognize this story that it's going to follow pretty closely immediately. Um, it is the story of Hezekiah and a king in Assyria named Sennacherib. And uh, his uh, story is found in the book of Second Kings as well, and it's almost a verbatim copy of that same story that we're going to see in Isaiah. But if you haven't read First or Second Kings, then this is going to be new territory for you, and it's going to be fun. We're going to jump into that next week. And so I'm really excited. We are also nearing the point of uh, after this story section in Isaiah, there is an obvious break in the whole book as a whole. And after that, there are going to be very few judgment passages in the entire book left um, from chapters 40 on to chapter 66. I call that the mercy section of Isaiah. There's really almost no uh, chapters of judgment at all and it is God's promise to the people of Israel um, that things are going to go well for them in the future so it's you're going to see that once we get past this whole section here and I'm really looking forward to it because we've been through chapters of doom and gloom for a while now so uh, it's going to be fun to kind of get into a new section where it's more uplifting and we get to see a lot more of the prophecies where Jesus kind of factors into things and I'm really excited for this so this chapter today is kind of a foretaste of that this mm -hmm. chapter is the end of our section of poetry in this first uh, book of Isaiah and so we see a little bit of the the joy that's kind of creeping in and the promise of what's to come and we're going to talk a little bit about some of the how the ways that um, this uh, plays itself out with Jesus but um, also some of the ways that this is going to not happen hasn't happened yet and will come to pass in the future so it's going to be fun to jump into did you have any thoughts before we jump in Ashley no, let's get into it. All right, let us jump in. The desert and the parched land will be glad. The wilderness will rejoice and blossom. Like the crocus, it will burst into bloom. It will rejoice greatly and shout for joy. The glory of Lebanon will be given to it. The splendor of Caramel and Sharon. They will see the glory of the Lord, the splendor of our God. Strengthen the feeble hands, steady the knees that give way. Say to those with fearful hearts, Be strong, do not fear, your God will come. He will come with vengeance, with divine retribution. He will come to save you. Then will the eyes of the blind be opened, and the ears of the deaf unstopped. Then will the lame leap like a deer, and the mute tongue shall shout for joy. Water will gush forth in the wilderness and streams in the desert. The burning sand will become a pool, and thirsty ground bubbling springs. In the haunts where jackals once lay, grass and reeds and papyrus will grow. A highway will be there. It will be called the Way of Holiness. It will be for those who walk on that way. The unclean will not journey on it. Wicked fools will not go about on it. No lion will be there nor any ravenous beast. They will not be found there, but only the redeemed will walk there, and those the Lord has rescued will return. They will enter Zion with singing. Everlasting joy will crown their heads. Gladness and joy will overtake them, and sorrow and sighing will flee away. So uh, this chapter opens with um, a beautiful image of a desert that is going to be glad. And I talked a little bit about it this last week. Um, we saw how last week everything was going to become chaotic and 
deserty and uh animals are going to be um just you know everywhere and there's no going to be no humans left and i told you guys that uh, it might be helpful to read the chapter right before this one because you'll see how these two relate to one another and the really cool thing is that he gets us all to all the way to this point in the last chapter of feeling like the world's going to be chaotic and evil and then we have this uplifting first verse here that starts with the desert of the parched land will be glad and that is our kind of cue that that's not how everything's going to end. It's not going to end just with um, humans being uh, destroyed and abandoned and uh, animals returning to the land and it just be desert wilderness with nothing but wild animals roaming the land. Instead, what we have is um, this beautiful section where everything is going to resort back to gladness and uh, the crocus is going to uh, burst and bloom. For those of you that don't know, a crocus is actually a, a flower of sorts. Uh, I think uh, it grows in the desert. If I'm not, um, if I'm not mistaken, although I didn't do any research on crocuses before I did this. I know Ashley, you're kind of a flower expert. Did you know anything about cro- crocuses? No, I never heard of it. I do like flowers a lot, but I haven't become an expert yet. But I will eventually. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I had to look it up, and it basically was saying that it was a plant. I think it does grow in the desert because that was never that was something I never heard of before. Yeah, yeah, I've seen some. You can like Google them, and they're really pretty. But um, it's just interesting that uh, that that's kind of the image that we're starting with is this, this flower um, bursting into bloom. And then we have this like shout for joy and rejoicing, right? Which, you know, on its own, if you were to just take this chapter and just focus on this chapter, it would feel nice, but it feels so much more impactful if you read chapter 34 first, you know, because you have this, it's such a downtrodden punishment that's been happening for so long against these people in Jerusalem and to have this kind of upturn here at the very end of this section uh, for me at least it's just really beautiful and so he walks through a lot of the different cities Lebanon Carmel and Sharon and just how that they're going to be rejoicing um, how they're going to see the glory and power of God the splendor of God yeah and I liked how it was interesting I was looking at the meanings behind all those um, places and it was very similar to things that are related to God, like Labanda meaning whiteness, mm. uh, which is um, used a lot like in the New Testament. I mean, it's used in the old, but a lot in the New Testament referring to like white garments that um, Jesus himself wears or that angels wear. Um, Carmel meaning garden-like. Oh, and, yeah. Yeah, and then Sharon is associated with like a plain or like straight past, like uprightness and straightness. Oh, and, interesting. And so I really liked that. It was like all the things that God is going to bring into fruition when it comes um, to the end of what he's going to do to the world and even to the nation of Israel right here. So. Yeah. Yeah. No, you're, you're, I love that those uh, words have like a meanings behind them that kind of give us a deeper look into what, what's going on here. Um, we do have a little bit of a break here in verse three and um, we kind of focus away from just the overall setting. It uh, kind of these, these first two verses are really focusing on the land and how the land's going to get, revival and now we have the uh, focus on people in verse three and uh, the strength of feeble hands uh, the, uh, steady the knees that give way you know like we start to see some of the uh, uh, people get to get this uh, sense of being strong and not fearing um, because God is going to come again and um, he will come with vengeance which I find interesting that the uh, he will come with vengeance with divine retribution and that's what's going to save them which is really different than I think what we got in the last chapter where he came with vengeance and divine retribution against them, you know? And so it's really cool that 
in some way there's this sort of duality to God's justice and vengeance and retribution and that it's not just all wrath but there is a salvation to it and I really like this section just to kind of that kind of points that out um, we also see this famous uh, section uh, following in verse 5 and following where uh, it says the eyes of the blind will be opened, the ears of the deaf unstopped um, the lame leap like deer and the mute tongue shout for joy this is actually a reference that Jesus will pull from mm-hmm. uh, in the New Testament um, there's a story in the New Testament where John the Baptist actually yeah. uh, is imprisoned and uh, he is in a really crummy situation. He's about to be beheaded, um, and he feels like his entire ministry, this is John the Baptist, feels like his entire ministry is just going to shambles. And he hears that Jesus is doing things, but it doesn't seem like Jesus is doing what even he expected to be doing. And so he sends this message to Jesus asking, uh, are you the one that I think you are? Are you the Messiah? And Jesus sends back a kind of coy reply that if you didn't know this passage, you wouldn't understand what he was saying. Um, but he sends back a message to John saying, look at what I'm doing. The eyes of the blind are opened. The ears of the deaf are unstopped. The lame leap um, and the mute tongue shouts for joy. And so it's kind of uh, him telling John, look at your Bible and look, look at, at <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, okay. I mean, sometimes Jesus is blunt like that, and it's kind of Jesus telling John, look at your Bible and see these passages here, and you figure it out. <laughs> yeah, and, and I think it's interesting that, you know, even with you mentioning that John didn't see Jesus doing what he thought he was supposed to do, it's like very interesting to see that none of the the nation of Israel thought that Jesus was doing what he was supposed to do. And no. it's sort of very, very interesting even seeing that here. Like, you know, I feel like that people, God comes in ways that people don't expect. And when they get it, it's like, well, it's right there in the word of God. I don't get why you didn't understand it. You know, <laughs> but Yeah, well, and I will give um, some credit to um, maybe if you're like a Jewish listener that's listening to this, uh, there are ways of uh, explaining this passage that don't involve Jesus. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the ways that I think that they tend to interpret this is that um, a lot of this is going to happen in the future when uh, the uh, afterlife happens or um, another example would be um, thinking of this happening when Israel finally uh, is sort of the rule uh, world ruling power of the world you know and so there, there are different ways that um, they explain it but um, I do feel like um, that for us at least as Christians we have to we have to go with um, Christ is the one that did this, and uh, mm-hmm. that's kind of part of our core belief system. But yeah, I, I really think that this is um, something that's pretty obvious to us, but I never want to uh, call out someone and just be like, oh, it's obvious, you know, you should obviously see this, you know. Yeah. Uh, I just don't think that's kind to do. But um, yeah, I feel like the um, following verses here is the burning sand will become a pool, the thirsty ground bubbling springs in the haunts where jackals once lay grass and reeds and papyrus will grow um i really love this because um i've talked about this theme a little bit before but um deserts in their time period always represented chaos and death and uh if you think about it in terms of how they would have traveled you were going to be safe if you traveled through places that had streams and water and you were going to die if you traveled through a desert without water basically um the desert was a land of um just uh wilderness and you can't really get your bearings in a desert all that easily it changes so frequently and so really put your mind into their mindset that like deserts represented so much more to them than they probably do to us today that uh, for me 
for instance. I've never been in a desert ever. And so, uh, yeah, it's it definitely has a deeper sense of chaos and fear and destituteness and even cursedness to it um, that I think kind of shows that what what we've got going on in this section is that all of that kind of land, the land that we're most afraid of, is going to become pools and bubbling springs and and we're gonna see this like sort of uh rebirth in that kind of death land. And I really love that kind of imagery as a promise. Um and that's something I guess we haven't necessarily seen yet. Uh I think that this is something still yet to come. I do think that we see little patches of this you know even with modern technology we're able to take uh, places that are just completely destitute and do something with them and revitalize them a little bit but i think that this is something that like you know in time to come we'll we'll get to see this happen even more where um the land so to speak gets to be revived and we get to see this kind of beautiful um revitalization of all of these chaotic places that are inhabitable so to speak so yeah i I just thought that was fun to bring up um there's also the uh highway um which uh which is really interesting because in the first century the christians started calling themselves followers of the way and i think that this is a call to this chapter in particular um it's also coincidentally why we named ourselves wayfarers christian church is uh we uh kind of wanted to call back to uh, the idea that the christians once used to call themselves followers of the way and so uh, we went with the title wayfarers but um yeah this this section here is focusing on um there being a highway that's going to open up and it'll be called the way of holiness and those uh who walk on that way uh it will be for those who walk on that way and it's really cool just imagining like all of these deserts sort of suddenly like springing up with oases and pools and water and the world is, you know, uh, becoming unbroken, so to speak. And uh, the unclean and the wicked fools don't travel on the road. That was a big thing for them. Not as much for us today, but for them that they were always afraid of like highways and pathways that uh, people traveled having like bandits uh, attack them. Think of uh, the story of the Good Samaritan in the New Testament. One of the dangers of that whole story is that uh, he gets beset by bandits that like rob him on their highway. And so there's definitely this sense of which like uh, they were very much afraid of traveling on roads alone. And they usually went in packs with huge groups of family so that that wouldn't happen. And so, yeah, there's this uh, kind of beautiful kind of imagery of how like these, this highway is not going to have any any type of people like that to be afraid of. And then, of course, there's not going to be lions or ravenous beasts um, that are going to be dangerous on that pathway e- either. And so it's this really beautiful metaphor of just like everybody will find that walking the way of God is easy, you know, which I don't think we're there yet. Um, but walking the way of God is, will be easy and, um, the redeemed are all going to walk on it and the Lord will rescue them. And they'll basically, this image ends with them journeying on this highway all the way to the mountain of Jerusalem. And they're going to enter into the temple of Jerusalem with everlasting joy, um, with crowns on their heads, gladness and joy will overtake them and sorrow and sign will flee away. So there's a lot of this stuff here that you might be like curious, like, well, obviously none of this happened, right? You know, like this was one of the things I remember walking uh, a couple of men that I was uh, teaching through this passage. And they're, one of their big questions that I will never never forget was like, I kind of feel like this is like a almost like a 
harmful prophecy to give to Israel in particular, because Israel never really got to experience this, right? You know, they never got to experience a highway that opened to Jerusalem. And, uh, you know, if we look at current events today, Israel's probably the most hotbed of uh, political and uh, war strife that we've seen in any place in the world. So it feels like sort of... uh, hard to like read these verses um when we kind of have our you know concepts of what's going on in the middle east right now but what i've always loved about this is that the bible is not trying to like uh i guess pinpoint down to like a specific thing occurring in the world a lot of times it's really trying to transform your heart and mind to an ideal of what's to come and give you a hope of what's to come. And I do believe that one day this this will occur. And I think that that's something that even for the Israelites that didn't get to experience this, their hope was in this happening one day, and that would transform how they lived in their present lives. And I think that that was an encouragement to them because, you know, given the choice between hope and despair, it's always better to have hope. You know, I've known that in my life is just like if you're living without any type of sight of something that may come in the future. um, Yeah, it's not fun to live that way, you know, but if you're living with a hope of something in the future, even if it doesn't happen in your lifetime, if you're living with that hope, you tend to be happier in your daily life. You tend to be someone that's a lot more easy to get along with too. And uh, I think that there's some joy in uh, just hoping for things, even if they don't happen in your lifetime. So that's at least some of my thoughts on it. But Ashley, did you have any thoughts on all of this? Sorry, I kind of went through all of this. (laughs) No, you're good. Um, I was kind of reading up on it and I know some um, scholars or some commentators kind of saw this as another form of an exodus, like a second exodus that was occurring. Yeah, I can see um, that. Which does kind of make sense when I think about it because when you're looking at it, it's sort of like God, um, they're like going through a period of judgment and suffering and then God says, well, I'm going to take vengeance against these people and he's going to lead them to a better place, especially mentioning that highway uh, where um, the ones who are holy are going to be called to go down that way and people who are not who are unclean or are wicked cannot walk down that path and it kind of reminds you of them exiting um, through the Red Sea and they're walking down that path and then Pharaoh and his army comes and they're not able to fully cross to get to the Israelites it kind of reminds me of that so yeah, yeah I see that I, I also could see some of this relating to um, when the Israelites eventually uh, are exiled to Babylon there's a big deal made about um, later on they uh, are allowed to return back to Jerusalem and uh, they're allowed to return under the head of a guy named Zerubbabel which try say that name three times fast but um, when they're allowed to return with Zerubbabel there is a big emphasis on um, just the joy that they have in returning to their homeland after so many years in exile in Babylon. And I wonder if some of their return um, is, uh, I haven't read those passages in a while, but I wonder if some of those passages have a bit of this kind of language of joy of being on a highway. Cause I, it is interesting. They return with like several different riches that, um, the king of that area gives them and they return really in triumph, which is really cool. And so it's a beautiful passage where you do see some sorts of uh, callbacks, at least to this passage and how that they're able to um, return and start to set up their home again. So yeah, there is a little bit of hope there for them in that, but yeah. So thank you so much for tuning into this episode and uh, we will be back in your feed again next week. I'm really excited, like I said, to get into this um, story section. This is going to be a little different in terms of how we're going to talk about 
um, these passages going forward. Um, with the poetry, we get to kind of talk about themes. We get to talk about um, just different ideas that are getting repeated. Uh, Hebrew has a really interesting way of having like two lines that are relating to one another. And so you get to really like jump into the like uh, weeds, I guess, of like language and imagery and metaphor. And when we get into prose sections, there's a little bit of a difference in terms of what the writers are trying to do in these more like story formats. So the episodes will be a little different for the next couple chapters as we kind of work through this prose stuff. And uh, probably I have a, I have a guess that they will be a little shorter just as we kind of walk through some things. Um, And we might point out a bit more of the references to other places in the Bible a little bit more just because that's fun to do especially with the story sections but yeah um i am looking forward to getting into these stories and uh hopefully you are too and uh thank you so much for listening bye-bye